All right. Hello. It's once again the Saturday DFS podcast. It's Matt Harmon from Yahoo here. TJ Hernandez from 4 for 4 over there. TJ, what's going on, buddy? How is uh how is week eleven feeling for you? Uh it's I it's it's always feeling good. Um, this is a fun week because we have the most popular game uh, of the week, the most uh, high scoring game of the week in the latest window. So it gives us a lot of uh, a lot of flexibility, a lot of strategy things we can do outside of just building our lineups. Absolutely. And why don't you talk on that as like kind of our open like big picture segment here? You know, because yeah, I think a lot of you know, typically with a season long league and, and this even I'm telling you, even from like a content perspective, you always have to kind of remind like folks that this is the case, you know, from like a season long perspective, you can just go ahead and like, hey, you you set your lineup in the morning and then it's it's in God's hands, baby. You, yep. you can't do anything <laughs> about that. Right? right. I mean, I guess you could swap players and stuff like yeah. that, but it's much more of a factor in daily fantasy, I think, than a, a typical redraft league. Yeah, especially in a week like this. And we've talked about late swap briefly on this podcast before, but um, you you should be looking at late swap every week just because if you're if you're losing, it's your only way to catch up, really. But in a week like this, where especially because we have nine games early and only three games late, the Cowboys and the Chiefs are going to draw such high rostered rates, and they are also some of the highest salary players on the slate, uh, that we want to not only have one of those players in our flex, but when we do roster our players, be very cognizant of um, how we are treating them in our late swap window. So so essentially, just a, a very simple explanation is, we want to try to be a little more contrarian early so that we know if our off the board picks hit kind of where we stand. And then from Mm. there, if those plays do well, we can play our popular Tyree kills, Travis Kelsey's because you don't really need to catch the field. Whereas if your early players don't do well, you want to be switching off of those Travis Kelsey's Patrick Mahomes to either less popular players in that game or just swapping to completely different games. Because if you have Tyreek Hill and he goes off for 50, but he's in most of the lineups, that 50 doesn't do anything for you. You're not catching anybody. Yeah. You need to be able to catch the field. So that's just the, the mindset that we have to have. And if people People haven't played DFS a lot. I think it could be hard to say, well, Tyreek's the best player on the slate. How do I not play him? Well, we're trying to outscore our opponents. We're not trying to score the most points. That's the that's the um, uh, mental hurdle that's hard hard to grasp. Like so many people are used to just playing play the highest projection. Well, you don't need the highest yeah. projection. You need to outscore your opponents, and that means often just chasing the low roster rates when you're behind. Yeah, definitely. I think that. There is more to it than just play the right players, right? I mean, it's yeah. like that, that's a good first step. Mm-hmm. You you do want to do that, but there is yeah. more to it than that. I do think that this week with that Cowboys and Chiefs game being in the later window, like you said, it does make a huge difference. Well, well, let's not waste any more time. Let's jump right into that game because yeah. uh, both of our high uh, salary picks at quarterback here. You have Patrick Holmes. I have Dak. Thirty six dollars for Patrick Holmes. Thirty seven for Dak. Who gives a damn? Let's just talk about this game as a whole and like why this is obviously a great setup. Despite the, I mean, beside the fact that you know it's a it's a high it's a high uh, implied point total for both these teams here. Yeah, and and it's it's a rare situation where we have such a high game total, fifty six and a half point over under. It's only the sixth time all year we've had a game with an over under of at least fifty five points. It's only the third time this year that the spread has been below three. So that just kind of highlights the shootout potential of the game, right? And then uh, we we saw Kansas City 
get back on track last week. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think uh, Patrick threw for for five touchdowns. And even though Dallas does rank high versus quarterbacks in terms of um, raw fantasy points or adjusted fantasy points, teams are still throwing at the fifth highest rate in neutral situations against the Cowboys. And what's really important for these games like this is obviously the pace. Like you don't really want a scenario where it could pace down and it doesn't hit the scoring. Both of these teams are top 10 in neutral passing rate. And if Dallas does have a weak spot, it's been against the deep ball a little bit. They rank 15th in QBR allowed on passes of 20 or more air yards. So we do want that quick hitting potential. Obviously, the Chiefs have that um, with their weapons, but Dallas has been vulnerable to that a little bit too. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, when you look at this from like an overall game perspective, the boogeyman of the year has been, you know, two high defenses, (laughs) cover, cover two, all this type of stuff. I mean, I would give like a shout out to Dan Quinn for the job he's done with this defense this year. And he hasn't quite just been like, oh, let me just run typical Dan Quinn cover three type stuff. But that is the base of the defense, which is, you know, stemming from the same tree that Gus Bradley came from. Obviously, old Seahawks style. We know what the damn Raiders just had done to them by the Kansas City (laughs) Chiefs last week. So I think that feels pretty good on that end. And obviously just on the Cowboys end, look, Dak got like back to business last week. I think this this offense is is fully firing. So there's really not too much more to say here. This this game rocks. From a fantasy yeah, perspective. <laughs> I, I do think it is worth noting that the, the roster rates will be significantly higher on the Chiefs side just because I think people will look at Dak at 37, Mahomes mm-hmm. at 36, and and I, I think just kind of the nature of the Cowboys, they'll say, man, I, I don't know if is Dak going to yeah. throw to Amari, is he going to throw to CD, is, is Schultz going to get involved? And then the backfield, obviously, you know, Zeke could get a couple of those touchdowns. So I, I think because we know that the points are typically concentrated on the two pass catchers in Kansas City. Um, even like CEH could throw a wrench in, in the backfield this week if he comes back. But for the most part, people are going to play Hill and Kelsey, whereas the Cowboys, it's kind of a dart throw, even though CD has been kind of separating himself. I still just think from a rostered rate perspective, there is going to be a lot of leverage on that side where if people want to play this game and, and we talked about get into that late swap window where they need to be contrarian, I, I think you could do that a lot more with the Cowboys than you might think at first glance. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and I mean, like if CD Lamb is going to play in two wide receiver sets and then is going to shift inside when they go to the, that 11 personnel, yeah. like, oh, buddy, I, mean, I know that's just I know. it's. It's it's bombs away there for CD Lamb. So yeah, I mean, I think that this is just a great game for fantasy. You can't really go wrong. I love your point though about like, yeah, we know where the ball's going in Kansas City, so that makes mm-hmm. it a little more challenging than it does yeah. with the with the Dallas Cowboys. But I do think it's still worth chasing CD Lamb and and like Zeke Elliott as I core agree. players there. But yeah, uh, yeah. I, sprinkling in Gallup there if you want to get contrarian like later on, and you know, it just it's yeah, it'll get interesting. Definitely for sure. For yeah, sure. I think Gallup's only done at fifteen or something. Yeah, he stands out as like the yeah. actual yeah. in this game, the inexpensive player that has a good bit of upside. So absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I I freaking I love Michael Gallup. He made some great catches last week, so we'll see what happens. Uh let's talk less uh salary quarterbacks mm-hmm. here. You've got Tua, I've got Cam. I mean, dude, the Jets defense. What They're- a nightmare. Yeah, they're you could beat them pretty much however you want. They're the only team that's allowed three three hundred at least three three hundred yard passers and three one hundred yard rushers. Um, so Miami does have a couple of ways to attack them, but Tua stands out to me because uh, the Dolphins have an implied point total of twenty four, which like doesn't jump off the board itself. But if we look at quarterbacks relative to their implied point total and their salaries, there's only three quarterbacks with an implied point total of at least 24 uh, points with a salary of $25 or lower. Tua, Baker Mayfield, and Jimmy Garoppolo. The 
Browns and the 49ers both run at a 50% uh, rate in neutral game script. And then we look at uh, Miami, they pass at a 65% rate neutral game script, the third highest. So basically a long way of saying the only cheap quarterbacks that have relatively high implied point totals Tua is the one with the passing upside here. The Jets are, are 25th in schedule-adjusted points allowed to the quarterbacks. Um, they're bottom half of the league in adjusted sack rates, so don't have to worry too much about them getting uh, pressure on Tua, and they've allowed super high efficiency, the eighth most fantasy points per pass attempt. So even if Tua doesn't throw 30, 35 times, he could get there pretty quick. And like there's there are a lot of avenues, especially with Joe Flacco starting if they could get some turnovers on Miami defense. There's a lot of scenarios where the Miami's just sitting in beautiful field position all week, all game, I'm sorry. And if, if touchdown variance goes to his way, um, he's in for a huge game. The Jets rank 32nd in dropback EPA allowed and 32nd in rushing EPA allowed since yeah. week seven. I mean, yeah, little little problematic for Robert Sala over there that he's like a defensive guy and his defense stinks this bad. Yeah, it's it's rough. It's not ideal. Uh, my pick is Cam Newton here, 46 and a half total in that game. Um, so much connective tissue, by the way, between these teams. It's like a it's like a <laughs> yeah. family reunion over there for the Carolina Panthers and the Washington football team this week. But I mean, look, we know that Cam is still going to run. We know he's still an effective runner based on what we saw last week. We'll see what he looks like as a passer. I, I think it could be pretty good news that his arm is like fresh at this point. I mean, like at this point in this season is like when Cam Newton, Cam Newton's arm, both in 2020 and in 2018, the longest time we've seen him start for like a full season. This is like the time of the year when his arm goes like completely dead. Well, he hasn't <laughs> yeah. thrown a pass all year. So, I yeah. mean, I think that could be pretty good news. He has baked in chemistry with guys like Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore. Um, I think if you're looking for a floor play at quarterback, I think Cam's not the worst option. Yeah, I mean, only a, a week and some change that he is getting acclimated to to the playbook. It, it's not the same offense that he had in Carolina before, so I, I do think his passing will probably, or at least what they yeah, but he does to, know he knows two touchdowns worth of the playbook though, TJ. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I'm always coming with the quotes and the hats. Um, you, you know, he's even if they ask him to be limited in what he does passing, I think he could still be really effective because he gets to kind of come in and and spread his wings against Washington. There's no better team to do against that. They're last in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position. And I think Christian McCaffrey is the important part, right? Like he, he doesn't need to have the, the complex route combinations down in his head. He could give it to CMC. He could run fantasy points. We care about fantasy scoring. We don't care about him being a perfect passer. He's going to run. He's going to have goal line opportunities. He's going to be able to throw it to CMC and get all of those passing points when CMC does whatever he does with the ball after the catch. So Cam is just, he's the slam dunk guy below $30 this week. Yeah, for sure. And I'm not really buying Washington's like necessarily defensive resurgence. I think maybe they can be like less embarrassing maybe coming off yeah. the bye but you know that performance against Tampa Bay I think like I think Brady just kind of had a bad day at the office and that was mostly evidenced by the fact that he bailed on his press conference after well, yeah. like and and now seconds. they're down and now they're down Chase and Chase Sweat. Young so, yeah yeah yeah. And, yeah so it's uh it's rough yeah it's not ideal um let's move into running backs TJ Dan Campbell takes over the play calling duties, I guess, <laughs> for the Detroit Lions. And yeah. DeAndre Swift ends up with 33 carries. I did not see that coming, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and they didn't lose. And they, oh, yeah, they did not lose. Boom, they did not lose. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's causation. If you know Dan Campbell believes it, I mean, didn't win either, just by the way. No, but that's, uh, that's, not, that's not the point. 
That's not the point. Jamal Williams, uh, you know, we know he was out. Uh, Jamar Jefferson, their interesting rookie, also got hurt in that game. Some like former safety, yeah, uh, was playing running back for them. So DeAndre <laughs> Swift at twenty four, your pick here, not not bad. Yeah, I mean, they, they are going to be big underdogs to the Browns, and, and Jamal Williams, we're recording this on Thursday, he did return to practice. It's still not clear whether he will be active or not, but we, we've seen Swift, even with Jamal Williams perform, Swift doesn't need 75% of the backfield work to go off, but if Williams is out, I mean, it probably probably looks really close to that 88% uh, backfield touch share that he saw last week. He's now the only back averaging at least seven targets per game. Uh, Because of that, we know he is very capable of overcoming a negative game script as they're expected to face against the Browns. But on the flip side, both of these teams just, they want to run the ball. They're both going to have very slow pace. So those situations, it's hard for a team like Cleveland to get up as big as the spread suggests. So I think there's a a very likely scenario where this game just stays close enough because teams are are so slow um, that that the game gets shortened and Swift stays in a relatively decent game script no matter what. Um, on top of that, like sh- sh- it's a little unsure with Jamal, but we have a lot of really questionable situations and Swift is the one player that we've seen that he like he's kind of been Alva Kamara asking that he doesn't need yeah. the full backfield share. We got Elijah Mitchell with the finger. Um we don't know if Alvin Kamara is going to be active. We uh, don't know if CH is going to be active. So we don't know if we could play Daryl. So there's all these like injury question marks that aren't just with the starter but with the timeshare situation. So Swift is the one that we could kind of be confident in regardless of if Jamal plays or not. Yeah, this feels like a, a a week where Sunday is going to be like a big, big mover day in terms yes. of lineups at the running yes. back position because of all of these unsettled injury situations. And we'll see if we get you know news on Friday. Obviously, we taped this on Thursday, but yeah, that's something to keep in mind. Hey, one guy we know we can lock into a big workload: mm-hmm. the Quad Father, AJ Dillon. <laughs> yeah, what is it? Quad? Isn't it like Quadzilla and the Quad Quadzilla, Father? Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable! I mean, what a superstar! They need a, a f- they they need a they need a movie or a or a superhero show or something, a comic book, perhaps, perhaps. Yeah, there you go. They check all the boxes there. AJ Dillon, like I'm obsessed with this guy at twenty dollars. I mean, I'm obsessed with this guy anyways. He's on like all my season long rosters. Finally, something's breaking right for me on my freaking season long rosters. I got AJ Dillon here to, ready to start this week. <laughs> um, I, the Vikings aren't a good run defense for 31st and rushing EPA allowed since week seven. Um, they can get beat up. That's for sure. Love the matchup. Love the workload that Dylan's going to walk into. I mean, they've thrown him the ball too. you know, he made an explosive passing play last week. I think he's a guy that's shown juice all year, like $20. He's just like a, a no brainer to me. Yeah. Yeah, there. I mean, he's going to to see twenty plus touches as long as this game stays relatively close. Um, the only thing I, I will say about this play compared to Dearness last week, we had Dearness, and then by after we recorded, we got Mark Ingram late. They were a little bit cheaper, so Dylan is still oh, like yeah. very, very affordable at twenty dollars. Obviously, the only difference is this week. Again, all of the injury stuff we talked about. If things break right, we could have Mark Ingram, Elijah Mitchell, Miles Gaskin, Michael Carter, all as very not to mention Josh Jacobs, all as very viable running backs at slightly lower salary than Dylan. So we do have pivots off of Dylan. So I don't think he's as much of a lock in big field tournaments. If you're playing cash games or small field tournaments, I think Dylan is by far the best play, but in like something like the baller, not as much of a lock as Dearness was last week. Oh yeah. And we have a very obvious leverage play in Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams where we didn't have that with 
Dearness last week. That's the only, that's the big difference. But I completely agree with you. AJ Dillon is the player in that range from just a, a straight projection standpoint. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I think like, obviously he is not the salary that those guys were. So you can't just like set it and forget it everywhere. Right. But um, I think from, yeah, just a pure projection standpoint, love the guy this week. That makes a lot of sense. Um, we knew we'd be talking about the Cowboys and Chiefs a couple, at least a couple times on the podcast. Didn't see us revisiting uh, the super stack <laughs> of the Jets and Dolphins, but TJ, yeah. <laughs> I have Miles Gaskin at 18. You've yeah. got Michael Carter at 17. Why don't you go ahead and tell us why Michael Carter is going to catch 10 Joe Flacco dump-offs. Yeah, th- I mean, that's basically it. This is just basically uh, an extension of the point I was just making about there being a lot of leverage plays off of A.J. Dillon and a lot of ways to save salary this week. Um, pending Alvin Kamara's status, Carter is actually 4 for four's top running back value under $20. Remember, we have A.J. Dillon at $20. Uh, two-thirds of New York's backfield touches since their bye have gone to Michael Carter. A huge percentage of those being passes, obviously, with Mike White, but again, Flacco, I don't I, I think the plan is and probably or should be they probably want to keep the ball in Michael Carter's hands with Flacco under center. I, I don't know that they really want, especially after what we saw what Miami did last week in terms of just being able to blitz relentlessly. Obviously, that had a little bit to do with them trying to contain Lamar Jackson's running ability, but I mean, if they can get pressure on, on Flacco, I, I don't think that's a situation the Jets want to be in. So uh, as long as this game stays relatively close, I think Carter continues to see that big workload that um, we've seen the last few weeks. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think he's, um, I mean, outside of Elijah Moore, I think he's like their guy with the most juice on the team. So it makes sure. sense for them to continue to get uh, him the ball. I have Miles Gaskin, as I mentioned, uh, 26 touches in a win against Houston, 15 touches in a win against Baltimore the last two weeks. You know, I read the stats off for the Jets defense earlier, especially against the run. They've been particularly embarrassing of late. I think this is probably the first time all year I've been tempted to play Miles Gaskin. And it's just because I think he will not draw a lot of attention. And at $18, like you mentioned, all these other guys that are in that range, I think he will not draw very much attention. But I also think he has a decent bit of upside. Um, Given that I also think the Miami Dolphins team sort of kind of finding themselves overall. I think their yeah. offense, especially with two under center, looks, you know, competent. Uh, I think that's all good news for Miles Gaskin, who, like I said, I think this is the first time I've been tempted to play him all year. Yeah, I mean, 19 touches per game over the last month. Um, re- really, the guy that was kind of the the thorn in his side was Malcolm Brown, and Malcolm Brown um, not there, so I think he should be fine to continue that workload that he's seen, and, and, and they're favored, so uh, against this Jets team that's allowed three uh, rushers to go over 100 yards, that's very much uh, in line for Gaskin this week. I'm not sure who was less enthusiastic about that analysis, me or you? Uh, well, I just... <laughs> It's yeah, it's a tough yeah. sell. If you got a chance, yeah, it's hard it's to take sell. the name off of it. It's hard to take, but yeah. it is. But it's it's a good play. At least you can like finally benefit from Miles Gaskin without being one of the dummies who uh, took him at his ADP in August. So like, there you go. Oof. There's your sell. Yeah, yeah. He's the the sell is he's not Mike Davis. That's what we're going with now. Oof. I mean, hopefully this. <laughs> hey, this post on Saturday. Hopefully this. I actually have a feeling that like if Cordero Patterson doesn't play, like Mike Davis is going to ram a good game down everybody's throat this week. So uh, we'll see. We'll save see what those, happens. Save those best ball shares. There you go. There's a W for your long dead best ball team. Congrats <laughs> on your 11th place finish instead of 12th. Good job. All right, wide receivers. Let's talk about a fun position. Love your pick starting off here with AJ Brown at 23. 
the the twenty three dollar salary is um it's it jumps off the page like a lot. Uh, he has been seeing insane target share over the last five weeks. He's one of four players with at least thirty percent of the team targets over the last month. Uh, that would be even higher if it wasn't for him getting the Marshawn Lattimore treatment last week. In the previous four games, he was averaging a thirty seven percent target share. 10 targets per game. Uh, Houston has allowed them, uh, has allowed three 300 yard passers this year. So if 30% of the work is going to AJ Brown, he should be in for a monster day. Uh, Tennessee um, within the two games with Derrick Henry out, they've seen their neutral passing rate jump up toward like 15th, 16th, which is middle of the pack, not super high, but compared Big to when they were, yeah, for, for them, they were sixth or seventh in, in neutral rushing rate with Derrick Henry. So um, that is a big swing in, not a big swing, but it is a notable swing in philosophy without Derrick Henry. And there's quick hitting potential against this um, Houston defense. A.J. Brown doesn't run a ton of super deep routes, but he runs enough where he could break the slate very quickly. And Houston is 30th in QB are allowed on passes of 20 or more air yards yeah and like people are definitely irritated about aj brown the last couple of weeks like this is a great time to get back in the 23 salary really stands out for sure um i do think jamar chase is probably under the radar a little bit coming off the bye week at 29 which is expensive and you know he's going to be surrounded by all these guys that are going to be very popular plays this week so might go a little bit uh, under notice there. I mean, we've been we in the early in the season when he's making all these big plays on low volume. Like, what happens when Jamar Chase uh, gets volume? Well, he's, that's <laughs> yeah. that's been happening, right? The Bengals are, I think, seventh in neutral pass rate over the last month. Yep. Um, they are a team where you know Jamar Chase has got ten, nine, and thirteen targets the last three games before the bye. Like. I just think he's an interesting play given that, you know, all those more high tier wide receivers will definitely draw high roster ship, but he might be a guy that uh, goes under notice there. And we know he has like slate breaking talent potential every single week. Uh, we just saw the Raiders get shredded yeah. in the vertical passing game. You know, it's a different animal when you're going from Patrick Mahomes, no matter how he's been playing this year, Patrick Mahomes to Joe Burrow. But still, I mean, Burrow has been attacking vertically all year as well. I, I really like Jamar in this spot compared to the other high salary receivers, because if we compare it to other sites, Jamar is kind of like a little, his salary is a little bit lower or even in the second tier of the top guys, but he's priced as the wide receiver four on the slate. The same, uh, the same as Debo actually a little bit more than Stefan Diggs. So I, I agree. Mm. I think people assuming Debo is healthy. I think people look at Debo at the same salary, especially look at Diggs at, at a dollar less and go with Jamar. And I like this game as a whole because the cheap wide receiver that I picked is T Higgins down at $15. Yeah. You, and, and this just has a lot to do with what you said. Um, the passing rate over the last five weeks has just been near the top of the league. Uh, they, and it's not just neutral passing rate, but passing rate over expectation, top three and passing rate over ex expectation in that span. And that has translated to directly to Jamar Chase and T Higgins, not been an even distribution to the other pass catchers in that span. Jamar and T are both up a target a game while the other uh, wide receivers or pass catchers have either stayed stagnant in their targets or even seen them drop. So we see T, H T. Higgins with 9.7 targets per game over their last three games in that span. Both Jamar and T are top 12 in target share. 
The difference is you're getting T. Higgins at almost half the salary of, <laughs> yeah. of Jamar. That's the big difference, um, which makes T. Higgins the uh, the top value at four for four. I mean, if you really want to split hairs, and I don't think because I, I don't after what we saw last week, I, I don't think this comes into play a lot. But if you want to split hairs between T. and Jamar, Raiders are third in QBR allowed on deep balls, but 25th and 22nd against short and intermediate passes. So like we we think of Jamar as you know getting the big splash deep plays, but he could beat them however. Want. So it's it's not like something I would downgrade Jamar for, but I think they're both fantastic plays. Yeah, I'm with you with T. Higgins. Like, <laughs> I, I, I love Jamar Chase. I just talked about it. I, I like T. Higgins. Like, T. Higgins should be like 50% discount on Jamar Chase. That's yeah. that's crazy. T, the red zone usage is pretty close between these guys, too. So, I mean, it's, it's all there for, for T. Higgins. And he just hasn't won a lot of contested catches this year, which is like, but that's the strength of his game. Like, he'll it'll be fine. He'll get it figured yeah. out, especially but the I farther mean, a week off with the bye helps, too. Just look at this. The players with salaries directly above him at 16, Randall Cobb, Jamison Crowder, Brandon Ayuk, and Christian Kirk. Like, T. Higgins should right, well, be well above those guys. Brandon, how dare you about the Brandon Ayuk thing? But everything else, point taken. No, he's he's a great thought. He's a great fourth thought. He's a great fourth option on his team. I mean, you're a fourth option to host this podcast <laughs> with me, but here you are. So sometimes things end up working. <laughs> I was so mean, and I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. It was a joke, but things got personal there. You could have just stopped it. Look who's right ahead of him: Randall Cobb and Jamison Crowder, and it would have been like slam dunk take without making me feel bad. That, that, you that had- was actually the plan, and then I saw the Ayuk, and I was like, I can't. I gotta. I try. I tried to slide it in between the, the with the Christian Kirk next, but you caught it. Yeah, no. I, if anyone's going to recognize the slight, <laughs> it's going to be me. Okay, pal. <laughs> uh, this might. This is better than the Ricky Seals Jones beer bet. This is this is the best yeah. one of the podcast all year. <laughs> Unreal. Oh well. And on that note, let me hype up another dust ball that I love. Uh, yeah, Alan Robinson please. at thirteen dollars. <laughs> what a perfect transition. God, it sucks <laughs> to be me. Um, all right. Let me compose myself here. Uh, Justin Fields looked pretty good before the bye. Yeah. We know he's been running. Uh, his uh, adjusted air yard, or excuse me, his adjusted yards per attempt was really taking a jump there. You know, he was at like a 7.5 or something like that, which I know that doesn't sound like much, but it's a lot better than what he was doing beforehand. You know, like I think the Bears offense had started to stabilize itself. We know they connected on one. I'm taking like one vertical pass here and being like, that was a good sign, you know? So it's a bit of a stretch, but at the same time, the Ravens, like, the Ravens defense, can we call it, can we, do we need to call it sneaky bad or do we call it bad, bad? They're 30th in both explosive play rate allowed through the air mm-hmm. and on the ground. Like, I think Allen Robinson at $13, like, why not, man? You know, why not? Yeah, I think, um, I think if I'm playing Robinson, it has to be in a Lamar lineup. I think yeah, it has to be as a correlation sense. play. Um, that, that's I, I think and and it kind of sets up because I believe it is in the early window. There was only three late games. It does kind of set up to what we talked about. If you are playing like a a stack with Allen Robinson in it, he's that type of contrarian player where you have the information on what to do with your chalky late players like you talked about up top. If you have Allen Robinson and he goes off, you're already separating from the field. You, now you can afford to keep yeah. Tyreek in your lineup. You can afford to keep C.D. Lamb, Patrick Mahomes in your lineup. You're already lapping the field with Allen Robinson if he has a big game. See, I mean, you started like, and then I feel like it came around to a logical point there of why this makes sense. Yeah, I I had to um, make sure I was in on it. <laughs> you can talk yourself like half into it is what, <laughs> what just happened there 
Well, my 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 tight end. My, the the reason the reason that that I I decided that I do like it is because the tight end I have coming up is on the other side, and Mark Andrews at twenty one dollars. I like and, this game for fantasy. I think it could be sneaky. Yeah, exactly. And and because uh, I mean, there's going to be a with Lamar out with an illness, with Marquise Brown not practicing and probably limited or out. Uh, Mark Andrews' role is his role is is fine but mm-hmm. he can see a a bigger workload because Marquise Brown has been commanding so much of the target share their last three game so we have Mark Andrews as a obviously a correlation play if you're wanting to play Lamar going back to your Allen Robbins play if you want to throw him on the other side and Andrews even if Marquise Brown doesn't play I think he probably ends up being the least popular of the tight ends over $20, even though he's the cheapest of that group, Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, all in really good spots. So I think that the roster rate goes to those guys instead of Andrews. In addition to the correlation that we talked about, I think this is a very good mini stack with the Baltimore defense if you don't want to play into the Bears. And speaking of correlation plays in this game, because he's going to be popular on some, some other sites. I think Cole Komet could get a little bit of juice mm. as like a, a popular cheat play. And if that happens, it makes Mark Andrews a phenomenal leverage play. Like off of the a more popular tight end in his own game, that's exactly what we're looking for. Interesting. Yeah, I like that a lot. That makes a ton of sense. Um, hey, Lamar, sick again? This guy is like on the injury report with a non-COVID illness like every... Like once a month. Can we get yeah. this guy some Dayquil or something? I know. Take some vitamins, man. They're, they're <laughs> pretty affordable. Yeah. <laughs> get a Flintstone gummy how does he not have an emergency? How does he not have an emergency sponsorship? Seriously. Good question. I mean, these are some questions we need to investigate off the air. <laughs> let's let's discuss this uh, at some point. It's just strange. It's very weird. Anyways, uh, Travis Kelsey, $30. Good play. We know yep. that. I don't even know that we really need to spend a lot of time on that, but I just think that Kelsey, it's like worth going all the way up to highest t- of mm-hmm. tiers for tight ends here. I thought like when I made uh, one of my lineups this morning, uh, you know, I had Kittle there for a second. It's like, well, I got the extra five. Like, let me just jump all the way up to Kelsey here. Like, I, you know, I, exactly. I think it makes I, sense. I, th- I think he'll be relatively popular because of that. I will say, I, I do think even though Tyreek's more expensive after Tyreek coming off of his big game, that if you are playing this game and trying to decide which player you want between Kelsey and Tyreek, I do think Kelsey will be the least popular one. Uh, not unpopular, but less popular than Tyreek. So use that for however you're trying to build around that um, stack. Gorgeous. All right, let's talk some cheapo tight ends here. Tyler Conklin and Dan Arnold. I'll just say for Dan Arnold at 13, like, I know there's not much of a ceiling. I'm aware of that. It's the friggin', uh, it's the friggin' Jags. But he's been like the clear cut top target guy. He's actually been a relatively safe floor player. Yep. Um, I still think the 49ers defense is extremely vulnerable despite the way they mm-hmm. whooped uh, ass against the Rams last week. Yeah. You know, Tyler wow. Higby actually had a, a lot, he had a lot. Tyler Higby left some meat on the bone in that game and still had yeah. like his best game in a while. So I think there's a lot of uh, opportunity here for Dan Arnold, who just I think remains extremely affordable given his usage in this offense. Yeah, definitely, and and he's a player that um, they use out wide and in the slot, so he gets a lot of um, very high value targets. And and I wouldn't put 
too much stock into the 49ers performance last week. I mean, obviously they look very good, but an early, there's nothing that changes the flow of a game like an early pick six. Um, yeah, you just see, see that happen so much that that happens and then things just kind of go that team's way the rest of the game. It's just such a big swing and, and not not even just momentum, but actual game flow and, and game plan. Um, yeah, but uh, with, with my play, Tyre, Tyler Conklin, this is another game that I think it's going to go very underrated, but I think has a lot of stacking potential. It's a it's a play in Tyler Conklin. It's it's a mini stack with AJ Dillon, who are who we already talked about. I think one of the the best ways if you're going to play Dillon to lower the average roster rate of your lineup is to play a correlation play with him. We've seen in uh, consistently throughout the year in Yahoo Baller, one of the best ways to add correlation to your lineup is with a running back and an opposing pass catcher. Conklin has seen 20% target share since the bye. Basically the same target share as Justin Jefferson since Minnesota's bye. Um, his 27% target share is top 10 among tight ends. And the uh, Green Bay weakness has been in the short and intermediate passing game to 26 in schedule-adjusted fantasy points to opposing tight ends. And the reason I really like the, the mini-correlation of Conklin and A.J. Dillon, and just if you want to get contrarian in this game, stacking either quarterback with pass catchers, minute Soda's scoring correlates more with their opponents than any other team in the league. They have a plus 0.71 correlation between their points scored and their opponent points scored. So basically, their games shoot out or they're duds. There hasn't been much in between, and that's what we're looking for in fantasy. So especially in DFS, if like their point total doesn't jump off the board, the over-under is, I think, 48, but the spread is kind of close. But if this game goes with the two teams that can pass very well. Green Bay efficiently, Minnesota surprisingly at a high rate, seventh highest two rate in the league. Um, I want correlation in this game. So I like Conklin as a standalone value, but I love him in many correlations and, and full game correlations. Yeah, that makes sense. This That's such a great nugget about the Vikings because I agree like, they can totally go into their shell at any moment yep. and be that like, and I'm a little worried this could be one of those games. You know, the uh, sure. Packers also play super slow, very conservative, like run heavy, which it works for them. They're super efficient. Great. Um, but yeah, it's just worth noting that I think this game could be one of those very like slow paced. Uh, I mean, their game last week, like, well, three to zero, but yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, that, that's the, that's the concern with, with both of these teams and, and, but why they have these very wide ranges of outcomes, especially, yes. especially the Vikings, um, because they won't pace the game up, but with Rodgers and Devonte against the secondary, if they get it going quick, all of a sudden we're in this back and forth game. Um, and Minnesota can do it. They have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. They can do it. So if the game kind of the anti what we just talked about with San Francisco, if this game gets going where both offenses hit pretty quickly, all of a sudden we're in a back and forth, and and these teams can do that. Yeah, makes a ton of sense. Uh, all right, let's talk defenses. Love to see the Ravens. Yeah, Ravens twelve dollars. Twelve dollars. I mentioned that obviously they're allowing a bunch of big plays, but we don't care about that for fantasy. We care about sacks, turnovers, and uh, as much as I think Justin Fields might get a nice little bump after his bye week, this could be still a, a, a turnover-centric situation. Yeah, and usually salaries um, correlate almost perfectly with point spreads. The biggest favorites are usually the highest salary defenses. The Ravens are five-point favorites, but down at that $12 range. You know, as as much as, as Chicago has seen slight improvements, they still have an implied point total under 21 points. Um, they're still last in points allowed to opposing defenses. They're last in adjusted sack rate allowed. Um, as, as much as 
the Ravens have allowed big plays, they are still top 12 in pressure rate uh, against quarterbacks. So if uh, if Chicago's line does struggle as they have or, or Justin Fields uh, holds the ball as he has this year, there's going to be a lot of opportunity. And again, Ravens could get up big pretty quickly um, with as, as long as Lamar is healthy. Yeah, as long as he got that emergency in before the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll see. Uh, Cleveland Browns at 16. Uh, they burned me last week uh, mm-hmm. in that Patriots game, but willing to go to back here because, yeah, to say the least, indeed. Uh, but willing to go back here because of all these pass rushers going against Tim Boyle. I mean, <laughs> probably for the Lions. Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing here? What are we yeah. doing here, Detroit? So, yeah, I think they make a ton of sense. Even um, I lo- usually love to pay down on defenses. 16 is not absurd, but um, I-, I think it's worth it in this spot. Yeah, despite last week, I mean, they're still an elite pass rush, third in adjusted sack rate. Uh, Detroit with the lowest implied point total on the slate at 16 points. Uh, Cleveland, 11-point favorites. This is a, a pretty easy one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, oh, baby, love to see these uh, flex plays. These two wide receivers, let's talk Steph Diggs for you at 28 and Terry McLaurin at 19. You first, yeah, buddy. We- we mentioned he even after his huge game last week. I mean, twenty eight dollars is high for a wide receiver, but anything under thirty on Yahoo is going to be pretty palatable. We mentioned that uh, he's slightly below Jamar. The Bills have a twenty eight and a half point implied point total. One of the reasons that I was um, I, I was really pushing for Diggs last week, and he was one of my most rostered players, was because I was not just the matchup with the Jets, but I was very excited about Josh Allen getting Spencer Brown back. Uh, Unfortunately, Spencer Brown now on the COVID list today, so it looks like he's going to miss this game. But I think that this will be fine because Indy has been so bad against the past 29th in schedule adjusted points to quarterbacks, 27th, 27th against wide receivers. I, th- I think the Spencer Brown news more kind of keep, <clears throat> excuse me, keeps me off of full stack stacking as much as I might with Josh Allen where Stefan Diggs still remains as a um as a very strong standalone play. We saw him just get a huge target share last week yeah. and where the Colts have really struggled is in that intermediate range, that 10 to 20 yard range. They've just been getting destroyed. Obviously Diggs can get down the field, but Typically, the Bills are going to have Emmanuel Sanders do the clearing out for digs to get those 12 to 15-yard catches, and he could do a ton of that damage against this defense. Makes me feel pretty good that they had their best offensive game <coughs> in a while, and it was just funneling everything to Stefan Diggs. Hopefully, exactly. that's, the, that's yeah. what we see more going forward. I don't think anybody else saw more than four targets last week, and Diggs yeah, had 13. It feels, it's, and I hate to use the, the feel as a fantasy analyst, but it just feels like they were like, all right, we're going to get Steph going, and it's going to be a, like, down the stretch is going to be a lot of what we saw last year with this team. Sometimes it helps to uh, just throw to your good players. Washington doesn't have very many uh, good players left, but yeah. Terry McLaurin is a good player. At $19, I just think that's a really nice discount. I think he'll probably go undernoticed as well with some mm. so many attractive wide receiver yep. plays on the board for the volume that he gets and even like you know he escaped with a solid day despite getting his collarbone banged up last week it's not an ideal matchup i mean friggin carolina goes like four deep at cornerback and has their eighth overall pick on ir that's like unheard of depth <laughs> at the cornerback <laughs> position yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable but still i i think just the uh the 19 dollars here pushes me to terry mclaurin this week yeah even with that um coming in and out of the game with that injury, he still saw a 25% target share. And like 
him and Heineke just missed a couple of times. He was on the verge of having a, a very big game last week. I actually think Terry McLaurin is a, I think he's a very interesting play. One thing that, that people don't typically do a lot is um, play a quarterback in tournaments without stacking him. I think this is a very interesting situation where you could play Cam without a wide receiver and play Terry McLaurin on the other side, still have some, still have some game correlation, but, uh, but obviously Cam doesn't necessarily have to bring a wide receiver with him to get there. Right. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. And when you look at DJ Moore, who's 20, right in that same kind of range, like I think maybe people might stack Cam and DJ Moore, be a yeah. little more contrarian there and do Terry McLaurin. All right, let's talk some fades. Uh, we cast a wide net here with our fades, basically just wiping out a couple of teams. Um, you're out on the Colts bring back options this week, which makes sense considering they're facing Buffalo. Yeah, and that's really all it is. I, so many tournament players are going to to build stacks and and want to add some correlation from the other team, and that's good. That's a good process. But we've just seen it um, with the Bills this year. They allow pretty much no big games. Um, they have allowed no 300-yard passers. They've allowed no 100-yard receivers. They've only allowed one 100-yard rusher. So it just isn't a situation where even if you're looking for game flow, I, I just think it's way more likely that we just we're successful if we play the Bills on one side and not try to force the bring back. Uh, so it's it's easy to say like, oh, avoid the Bills because they're a good defense. The reason I bring it up is because I do think Josh Allen, Diggs, and some other players will be popular stacking options and people might be inclined to play the Colts. I think it's plenty fine to build a stack with Buffalo without bringing back any indie players. Makes a ton of sense. Uh, I'm kind of just out on the Seahawks and uh, Arizona Cardinals game. You know, Kyler Murray coming in questionable. He's going to most likely play, but still there's all that. Um, I, I want to see Russ like have a normal finger game without, uh, which is <laughs> a weird sentence, but like have a normal finger game. Maybe get some sleep this week, Russ. Don't be rehabbing for 19 hours a day on your friggin' finger. I don't even know how you do that, but that's a topic for another day. There's a lot of great signal from like Tyler Lockett from an air yards perspective, but also the way you beat Arizona, they're 30th, 32nd in rushing explosive play rate allowed. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to play Alex Collins or any of these guys over there. So yeah, I don't know. I'm just out on this game in general. Yeah, if we um if we gave our podcast episodes uh unique uh titles, this one would definitely be normal finger game. Normal finger game. What the hell am I even saying? All right. Well, I think that's a good uh sign we've done enough here, TJ. <laughs> um tell the people all about the DFS MVP feed if they found this via the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. If you're listening to this on Saturday, when it drops tomorrow, Sunday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern time, we do a four for four subscribers only GPP last look show where we cover this and all GPP theory uh, leading up to kickoff on Sunday. Every Monday on YouTube, we do a cash game review covering all of our cash game lineups. Then every Friday on the DFS MVP feed, you can get a full breakdown of values across the industry for your best DFS plays. Boom. And if you found this uh, via the DFS MVP feed, make sure you subscribe to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast podcast, which uh, tomorrow, as you're listening to this, it'll be Sunday. Tomorrow, uh, I will be recapping all of the action uh, with Liz Loza, everything you need to know coming out of Sunday's games. It'll be there right when you wake up on Monday morning. That's just great for you and your commute. So you don't have to think about work and your stupid job and, and all that crap you can just think more about football isn't that great yeah so go subscribe to the podcast uh meanwhile 
You can check us out on Twitter. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. That's at TJ Hernandez. And of course, make sure you follow at Yahoo Fantasy as well. Good luck, everybody, this weekend. We are out.